Mitchell Norton, the man I've long considered the devil, smiles atop the courthouse steps and waves to the simmering crowd. He tilts his head back to soak in the sunshine and cool breeze of a late spring day, the tranquility of which stands in stark contrast to the circumstances of this event. The mere sight of him pushes me to the dark edge of my mind where sanity hangs like, like, like a balloon in a tornado. I stand in a shadow across the street, one amongst many in the crowd of curiosity hounds gathered to watch a monster's release. As my face blazes, fists clench and teeth grind, I can easily imagine the onset of a stroke, an aneurysm, a pulmonary embolism, a raging scream. Control yourself, Tony. I long to charge across the street to destroy him, no remorse, as if stepping on a cockroach. Only sheer force of will prevents my doing so. For seventeen years, I assumed this day would never come. How could they even consider releasing this vile creature, this very personification of evil? In 1978, Norton murdered innocent kids who'd barely tasted of life. He tortured two of them beyond their limits of rational imagination, for to imagine such deeds was to summon a devilry that we dared not face. Yet the jury held him not responsible, a victim himself to the ravages of an illness that drove him to insanity beyond our reckoning. He thus resides forever in the darkest pit of my psyche, chained to me in perpetuity. Now only two choices remain. I must cast off those chains, or yank them tight around his neck. Yes, I must obtain satisfaction. The idiotic jury seventeen years ago in today's flawed court system has left little recourse. No one else seems willing to deliver him to justice. I am willing. After all, this is what I do. It's who I am. Indeed, the devil himself made me into this hunter of monsters. What a sweet twist of fate this is, that I may still, finally, administer justice. He descends the stairs toward his waiting car with an arrogant swagger, watching the small group of protesters, the news reporters, and the police officers here to ensure a peaceful transition, as if to challenge them. His wicked grin never wavers. Oh, that grin. For seventeen years it has taunted me, punished me for my indecision, my incompetence. I missed my chance to kill him in 1978 to remove his damned head, simple, as if cutting a sheet of paper. It would have been a fitting end for a monster. Why did I let him live? Like whispers in a storm, those memories only tease at me now here at this obscene and maddening event. I'm trying not to relive every moment of 1978. Every time I do, I feel as if swimming in quicksand, anchored by my constant companions, sorrow and guilt. I'm too damn tired, can't shake the confusion, the dread. I fear surrendering to fear. My life teems with just such wretched ironies. As Norton vanishes inside a black sedan, looks like standard-issue law enforcement, I dash through the crowds to my van. Despite this call to action, my mind again zeroes in on memories of 1978. I recall the court proceedings, particularly the devil's own twisted testimony, 
as though it were yesterday. I've only relived it ten thousand times. Then, twenty-six, Norton was a man-child, who'd never quite grasped the nuance of adulthood. He continued to wash dishes at a restaurant ten years into the only job he'd ever held. He found it comfortable and unchallenging. Perfect. He harbored no great yearnings, nor imagined exciting possibilities, nor sought lucrative rewards. Then everything changed. He said that was when his new life emerged, when he became more aware, even more intelligent. He better understood the world around him. He discovered what he called the purpose in the spring of 1978, and it guided his every deed. He claimed he became a man that year. I remember it quite clearly as the year he became the devil.